our congregation's life. It still is on a prominent stage, but as you well know, some things unfolded this past week. But still, most of you are aware that Catherine Percy, Catherine Willis Percy, will begin her new call as co-pastor of the First Congregational Church of Appleton, Wisconsin on April 1st. Her final Sunday will be with us on March 17th. We will miss Catherine's amazing gifts and graces for ministry, but the Spirit has called her to share those gifts in a new setting. So like many of you, and I was thinking of this during Joys and Concerns, I hold in one hand joy for Catherine and her family and her new congregation, this opportunity, because as Catherine wrote to us, it is the right position, the right time, the right place. She's called by the Spirit. But I carry sadness in my other hand because my amazing colleague is moving on after almost 14 years of ministry here. And we have had hundreds of profound conversations about ministry, and I have learned a lot. But many of you have begun to wonder what comes next. And I want you to know that your executive committee, Pastor Meredith and I, before she went on sabbatical, a gathering of several former moderators have already been meeting to discuss how we might bring the conversation of what comes next, the next steps for our church, to bring that conversation to all of you. We know that we have some time to think through possible models for staffing. Nothing has to be done quickly or immediately. And we will want to hear from you as we will discern together about what comes next. We are a strong, growing, and vibrant community of faith, and God will continue to do good things with this remarkable congregation. We'll talk more about that in the months to come, but for now, in the next few weeks, we will celebrate the Reverend Dr. Catherine Willis Pershey's amazing gifts, gifts that have shaped who this congregation is as a community of faith. So thank you. Thank you. I wrote the first iteration of this sermon on Monday and Tuesday, and then Wednesday came. And so I rewrote it yesterday and on part of Friday. The first passage from the Apostle Paul was going to be the theme that I was going to preach on about what it means to be gathering for an annual meeting. They're Paul's words to the church in Corinth, words that we usually hear at a wedding, but Paul had no intention of them for a wedding. They were written about what it means to have a life together as a community of faith. And the second passage is from the Gospel of Matthew and will be self-evident. From Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, love is patient and kind. Love is not envious or boastful. It is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And from the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus said, Everyone then who hears these teachings of mine and acts on them 
will be like a wise person who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be offered humbly and faithfully. Amen. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. It came back to me, roaring back to me this week. But on Sunday morning, our church really has two faces to it. The face you usually see here in worship, the public one, which, you know, is decently impressive, fairly well organized. The band earlier having warmed up and rehearsed sounds great. One piece of worship usually fits fairly nicely into the next. And everything, well, might even seem to be rather effortless and together. But you can't always trust a book by its cover. So about 15 years ago, in one of the children's moments, our young children learned about how hurtful words once spoken can really never be taken back. And the message was creatively taught by the Reverend Catherine Price, who asked the children to squeeze out a tube of toothpaste onto a plate and then asked them to try to put it back into the tube. And she said, that's what it's like with hurtful words. It was a good lesson. And worship continued, and, and everything seemed so balanced and together. I mean, that's the public face you see in worship. But I'm telling you, friends, if you could be here at 7.30 in the morning, it's a little different. People are scurrying about making last-second changes of this or that, wondering, where's that microphone? Where's this or that? And occasionally, just occasionally, the band doesn't hit all the right notes happens. The technology can sometimes be an obdurate child. I mean, it's more chaotic than you might imagine, and occasionally the chaos leaks into worship, and yes, occasionally the chaos will flood our homes. I mean, that's the two faces I thought of this week. I mean, it is still lovely and beautiful in the sanctuary this morning, but across the way, 50 feet away, there are literally 50 dryers blowing and ceilings and carpets are missing and our beloved education building is in a chaotic state. And I will tell you, it was heartbreaking to see and hear the flood of waters rushing down the stairs until the fire department was able to turn off the sprinkler system. But this home of ours is built on solid rock. The foundation, of course, is God's love made flesh in Jesus Christ. But this week, when I thought of those two faces here in the other building, it brought me back to that children's moment 15 years ago with the tube of toothpaste. Later in the service, I was offering the pastoral prayer. And at that time, we were doing prayers that Paul Stifler had taught us that were breathing prayers, much as Catherine did with us this morning. And I was asking us to breathe and then to pray for tranquil tranquil hearts, to breathe and pray for calm. All the while, I was standing behind the lecture, frantically shaking my foot, trying to get the plate of toothpaste into which I had stepped off of my shoe. <laughs> breathe, shake. 
I finally scraped it off on the bottom of the lectern and I walked around and left footprints of toothpaste all over the chancel. Behind every carefully planned public moment, there's chaos and mess. This week for sure. Paul wrote to a church in Corinth that understood what it means to be in chaos and a mess. We don't know exactly why Paul wrote to Corinth, but we do know he didn't write to two people being married for those beautiful words. But he wrote it to a community of faith about how they might live together. My seminary professor said the church in Corinth was so messed up that they would come together for a peaceful potluck dinner and within an hour they would have turned it into an angry food fight. Paul was writing to a congregation, wondering how they might live their life faithfully in the midst of chaos. And so Paul wrote these audacious words to the chaotic community in Corinth. He wrote words that said, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or rude. And then near the, air, the end of this carol of community, Paul concludes with these words, which I'm guessing when we hear them at a wedding, simply sort of float past us unnoticed because we're focused on the smitten couple. But they are astonishing and audacious words. He writes that of faith, hope, and love, that, yep, greater than faith, greater than hope, is love. And so this, I thought, this week I thought of that foundation of love in the midst of the chaos of the flood waters. But you might find it odd that those chaotic waters reminded me that one of our foundations in Christ is that we are formed and gathered as a community by the waters of baptism. The waters of baptism testify that a foundation of our love is relationship with God, relationship with Christ, and relationship and promise to each other. At every baptism, we pray that we hope this child shall never be ashamed to confess his faith in Christ wherever she is, whatever his circumstances whether they be lovely days or the long days of floods, successes and setbacks, joys or sorrows. I have to imagine this week that the Apostle Paul would remind us that in our baptismal moments, he would remind us not only of that prayer for the child to never be ashamed to confess her faith wherever she is, but Paul would want us to remember who you and I commit ourselves to be, who we commit to, what we commit to do in Christ's name. We promise our love, support, and care to every child who is baptized. That covenant on our part to love and support the children, not just of our congregation, but of the world, might very well define what it means to be in the community of Christ and what it means to be built on the solid foundation of Christ. Because the idea of covenant is a shared and holy promise, and it is a rock on which we build our life together. Andre Nowen, a wonderful theologian, once wrote, 
that you know it is the gift of the Christ in you. It is the gift of the Christ in you that allows you to see the Christ in a neighbor. That is what it means to be in covenant with each other as a congregation. Whether it's in fine times or times of floods, in joys or sorrows, in baptisms and in burials, we walk together in love, which is even greater than faith, even greater than hope. Maybe that is the message the Apostle Paul might write to us this week for our life together. A life together where our efforts and our outreach are not focused on doctrine or creeds, but on loving each other and neighbors, both those we know by name and those whose names we will never know, but loving with our hearts wide open. A life together where we are never ashamed to confess our faith in Christ wherever we are, whatever our circumstances, even when chaos floods our world. Our life together is an affirmation, a promise that the spirit of Christ that is in you will see the spirit of love in this church we call our home. May it be so. Amen.